Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast live from, well, half of us at the DNVR bar, as well as AJ joining me, Rudo and Allie running behind, as well as much of the DNVR crew here watching two crucial games. One, obviously the Denver Nuggets playing right now against the Portland Trail Brazers. If you hear any noise, that's likely those guys cheering, but also more related to the abs, the Vegas Golden Knights playing the St. Louis Blues currently up. Five to four go team, not overtime in that one. As long as Vegas does not lose in overtime, the abs are guaranteed a top two seed in that game. But we figured in this little lull in the abs schedule a little bit before the playoffs start in proper, we would get to your playoff questions. This episode is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. And AJ, I have a question of my own first. Are okay. the Avs the favorite in the NHL to win the Stanley Cup right now? Um, I don't know about in the NHL. Certainly out of the West, yes. Honestly, I don't even think it's that close in the West. I think the Avs are pretty clear cut. After, I mean, let's let's be real. Um, Vegas had a handful with Dallas. That that required a lot a lot in that game. The Avs played their A game against Dallas, and it wasn't even close. Blew them out, basically. Yeah, and they played. They played a B game against the Blues, and they won. And and it was like that's a tight game, but oh, six four, boom! Vegas doing it for it. Yeah. So um, that I I think the Abs are certainly the favorite out west. Um, with the way Tampa Bay looks, I don't want to say that they're the favorite in the NHL. Tampa, but it certainly looks like. Man. It certainly looks like what we thought was gonna was gonna be true was that the really skilled teams that like to get out and play fast and really really do uh, play high skill games were gonna be the ones who came out of the gate the quickest. The two highest skilled teams in the league are arguably Tampa Bay and Colorado, and yeah. they look the best. They look head and shoulders above everybody else right now. Uh, the only other team you really had in that mix was Boston, and they've looked terrible. Well, and and the the reason I picked Philly to come out second in the Eastern Round Robin was because they're that kind of club, they're that kind of high skill club that wants to that wants to play a certain way, and they have the talent to do it, and we're seeing that. So, you know, I'm 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 the I'm of the opinion that those are the three best teams in the NHL right now: Tampa Bay, Philadelphia, and Colorado. I would find it hard to argue with you. Um, uh, maybe you, I think you could probably make a conversation for Vegas in fourth, even, but yeah, because both Boston and, uh, Washington don't look very good at all. And then yeah. nobody out West looks good Yeah, the, beyond those teams. Are the Western teams that aren't in the round Robin have been brutal, man. It has <laughs> not been pretty hot. Like Chicago Edmonton has been entertaining because it's the wild West. Yep. There's no semblance of structure. Goals galore. Anything could happen on any given shift, but otherwise the West kind of sucks. Yeah. And that's not to say that doesn't have its own entertainment value, but if you're looking <laughs> yeah. strictly from quality hockey, not so much. Right. Uh, good hockey and entertaining hockey are not, not necessarily the same thing. Exactly. All right. So we took a bunch of Twitter questions as well. Feel free to throw up your questions in the live chat if you have any. I, hopefully we see them. Please Not, don't throw up. Um, I mean, 
I would you agree. Send us your questions. Just do it without the vomiting aspect of it. I I'm not sure if the live comments are working exactly, but if you if I do see them, I will shout them out and we'll get them asked. But AJ, I believe you have the Twitter questions here. We can start there. Yeah, uh, first question that we have for t- today is from Joey B. He says, "What stat do you guys think is more important? Total goals or game winning goals?" Total. This goal. is not the, this is not the first time that this has been asked by him. So I wanted to make sure that we at least touched upon this one. Uh, 100% total goals. Uh, at the end yeah. of the day, you only get a game-winning goal because of all the goals that got you into position to score the game. Right. Like, we think of game-winning goals as, like, the Kadri goal. Yep. Like, a, game, a goal that straight up wins a game. But we think of that, a game-winning goal as an overtime winner. That's not how that stat's counted. They exactly. Count every single think, game-winning goal. Great, a great example to me about why game winning goals is kind of a blah stat that I don't I don't necessarily put a whole lot into is one you think about the Macar's first game. Yeah, they win that game six to two. It was the third goal. It was three nothing. It became the it became the Are game you- winning goal because of how many that that ended up being given up yeah. by the app that day. And arguably the, other, the weakest goal of the game as well. <laughs> like, well, and and the other one that really came to mind was the Avs and Islanders in Denver this year. The yeah. Avs were up three nothing. They were in total control of that game. It wasn't it wasn't particularly competitive. The Islanders scored one goal with like three minutes to go, and Burakovsky gets the game winning goal the Washington game as well, where they made it close in the third period, but it didn't really matter. The Avs were right. The fifth goal of the game. Yeah. The fifth of their sixth goals was the game winning goal. And it was like, that was, that was a game they led by multiple goals the entire time. And it's like, if that was a three, two game going into the third period, it looks completely different. So, yeah. So that's, that's uh, definitely total goals. Game winning goals is not, you know, like uh, things like overtime, overtime game winners, a very specific one like that. Hey, that's important. If a guy has a handful of those, there might be something there. You know, we Joe Sakic famously factor, yeah, a little right. You, you know, and Joe Sakic famously led. That's his like career stat. The record that he owns yep. is the most playoff overtime winners, and it's like, look, like you don't fall into those. One, you got to be in the playoffs a lot, but two. To have eight of those things, nine of those things, it's like you gotta you gotta be pretty good at this. Yeah, that's it, exactly right. Uh, you don't get a lot of game winners without scoring a lot straight up. So, yeah. it, I think one informs the other a little bit. And yeah, you know what? You're gonna pick up some empty netters. You're gonna you're gonna go through that. And I, it's something I think that's worth looking into at the end of the season, where you say, oh wow, you know this guy had six empty net goals or something or something out of the norm you're like that's a lot yeah but the same goes for for game winners it yeah they're more about outliers than they are about consistent play right i mean you look at mckinnon two years ago i think he had 11 or 12 game winning goals led the league yep and then followed it up with you know another couple 40 goal seasons and it's like he might have. I'm not looking. He might have had 11 in the tet last two years combined. Right. Doesn't make him any like less clutch or whatever. It's just it's just sort of a random stat. So anyway, uh, he's asked us that a couple of times before, so I wanted to make sure that we got him in there. Yeah, got him in. Uh, next question from Eddie. 
says, would you rather Chicago finish off Edmonton and move on so the Abs can t- potentially play them in the first round, but Edmonton gets the first overall pick, or Edmonton comes back and wins and the Abs will have to face them later in the playoffs? Uh, I did. I haven't actually looked at Did Vancouver beat Minnesota today? Yes. 3 nothing. Okay. okay. So if all of the series leaders in the West finish off their series, there's a 37.5% chance that Lafreniere finishes in the central. So Edmonton finishing off Chicago and getting Lafreniere means Laffy doesn't go to the central. I will take that 100% of the time. But he still stays out West and he goes to a place where there are already insane forwards for him to join. I don't, don't care. I do not don't care. They can have Laffy for three years and then not be able to afford him alongside McDavid. That's fine. I mean, the real the real question is: Is will McDavid stay? That right? They for the for I don't think contract. they're having both. I'll put it that way. So I'm, I I don't I don't I don't know, but I'm I'm just okay. I don't. Uh, I would rather just have him not out west. Um and. To be honest sure. with you, I'm I have no issues with the Avs after having watched the series. I have no issues with Colorado playing Edmonton. Um, to be honest, I don't have much issue with them playing either team. I I think they beat Chicago easily. I think Edmonton maybe is more of a series, but especially after the defense the Avs showed against Dallas, nothing's going to come cheap for McDavid and Drysital. Yeah, so. definitely. Yeah, the if if Gerard and EJ are going to play the way that they did, yeah, it, absolutely. Uh-huh. That that team, Edmonton, has one line, maybe two lines when they split up Drysidle and McDavid. Yeah, but, I mean there are some like they're like Yamamoto, RNH, like there are some nice players still in that forward core. But it, it gets six ish. Yeah, it, it gets real shallow in a really big hurry, especially now that Ennis appears to have a serious leg injury and is is done. Yeah, they, they that was a guy that was important to them. They so it's six four final by the way. Any they've made it to the final. All right, so officially, yeah. Avs guaranteed a top two seed. That limits them to playing either Chicago, Arizona, yeah, Calgary, uh, Winnipeg, Vancouver, or Minnesota. Yeah, so it limits them to six teams. So it eliminates. We Nashville don't. We don't know Edmonton. anything yet. Yeah. <laughs> No Nashville, no Edmonton is the only thing guaranteed. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see. But it's funny, no Nashville, no Edmonton. Those both of those teams are facing elimination tomorrow. <laughs> Have not been playing very well. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Let's. Uh, this is a really interesting question that I actually spent some time digging into today oh, from boy, DNFTO. Uh, more valuable, Nemesnikov or Nachushkin? Man, that is a hard question to answer. Kind of a brutal question. So, we'll, all right. First of all, we need to establish value because Nichushkin is significantly cheaper and he's an RFA. If we're okay. going strictly off of that, also value, younger. Also younger. If we're talking about future value to the Avalanche. I think it has to be Nichushkin because you're going to be able to re-sign that guy on a relatively affordable contract to whatever term you want as far as he has he's an RFA. He has to sign with you. He cannot test the market. 
I know his defense is great. I know you, you could honestly make an argument for the Selkie, at least in the defensive part of his game. Mm-hmm. But Vlad Nemesnikov has been a revelation to this team. He can play anywhere in this lineup and has produced consistently. Yes, it's a small sample size, but you guys saw him against Dallas the other day. That dude is a machine that just fits like a cog into the abs perfectly. We this will not be the last time we talk about Nemestikov on the show. So I didn't want to I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this question, but um I do it, it is a fascinating question because with Nachushkin, the defense is elite. Yep. The question is, is if that defense goes from being elite to just above average, which is where Nemestikov's defense has been for his career. It was not there this year, but I also would say him playing top six minutes on a super overmatched Ottawa team all season might have had something to do with that. Um, And and Nemestikov's offense is more consistent. It just right. He's 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 over his career. He's been a much more productive offensive player than Nachushkin ever has been. And we've seen they both are in top six roles in, in the game against Dallas. And which one which one produced? Nemesnikov, baby. And and the thing is, is that we've seen him in Colorado, in his time in Colorado. He spent most of his time in the top six, and he's produced. Yep. And with Nachushkin, you also, like, look, the defense has been great, and you're fine. You're totally fine if that guy produces one every three or four games and continues to play insane defense for you in as the sixth forward in your top six, you will take that, okay? Let me just say that right now. That is okay. But at the same time, he also looks like the big misfit in terms of skill because he doesn't finish much of anything, and he's really not much in the way of a playmaker. His offense was extremely streaky during the season as well. Um there's certainly a case to be made for his defense. That's that's what you're gambling on. Yeah. And I just, yes, Nachushkin has absolutely been worth it. Mm -hmm. I want him to prove he can be a 30 point player again. I want to see that again before I can definitively say he's more valuable than Mesnikov. It's, it's tough because it's like, Oh, you're talking about a more well-rounded player who can play with your skill and fit in and not have it be kind of an anchor and a guy who does one thing exceptionally well, but maybe has more limited versatility for you. Yeah. Which one's more valuable. I, you know, for the abs specifically for the avalanche, I would say probably Nichushkin. Because See, I, I don't know if I agree. They I, don't they don't really have another guy like that. And right. when it comes to Nemesnikov, they sort of already have between Comfer and Donskoy, they already kind of have that guy. See, that's I mean, that's the thing, right? This is kind, kind of I'm living in a world where there's a real good chance one of those two guys goes to Seattle, but I that Which might be we're going to talk about later too. Later, so we'll get to that in a minute. We do need to take our first period break here, as it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery. I finished up my beer here at the DNVR bar. You can see some beautiful taps behind me here. 
as we have eight different Breck brews on tap down at the DNVR bar. So swing on by and pick it up. Come watch some Denver Nuggets with us over here as they're well into the third quarter at this point. And you can always head down to the farmhouse as well in Littleton to pick up your beer straight from the source. Use code DNVR to get $5 off a meal when you head down to the farmhouse. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. AJ, what you got? You said Nemesnikov questions. You said uh, expansion draft questions. I'm sure we got a bunch of others as well. We do have some others. Uh, Kevin wants to know, despite how good they've looked in the bubble, what should be the biggest concern or challenge the Avs had? In the bubble? I mean, I'm assuming on ice. Because he says, despite how good they've looked in the bubble. So yeah, okay. they've looked they've looked great in three games. What are we concerned about moving forward? I mean, after that Dallas game, it's hard to be concerned about a lot. But yeah, I do think staying out of the penalty box is going to continue to be key. We saw that they only took two penalties against Dallas, and it helped them a ton compared to the first game against St. Louis where they took like eight, and it was much more of a slog for them. Yeah teams especially a team like vegas coming up on saturday that can skate a little bit you can get yourself caught a little more penchant to take penalties and look as as strong as the penalty kill has been in the regular season four months ago and so far through this bubble special teams make and break a lot of playoff runs and you just don't want to put yourself in that situation yeah, um, I think I would agree with you that special teams consistency. If yeah. you could go, if, if you could guarantee me that the Avs would go one for five on the power play every night, I would take it. Take it every single time, one hundred percent. One easily. power play goal a game is huge. Yep. Um, I would. I would take that. Um, it's it's the zero for seven or eight that I'm concerned about. Yeah, um, you don't want. The- big dry spell that's what you're trying to avoid yeah and it's the two for five against you that i'm worried about because that's just an uphill battle that you have to climb at even strength and i mean that's that's kind of the thing right if you walk out of every game one for five on the power play and one for five on the penalty kill you go okay that's reasonably expectable when you give up that's that's to the point where you're saying now we need our even strength to win us games and that's where the abs are at their best. They dominate a five on five. So let's let's go with break even on special teams. That's a break good even on there. break even on special teams and let your five v five decide games for you. If they're able to do that, I think they're in great shape. If they are climbing uphill and they're losing the special teams battle, it's real hard to overcome. It's just digging a hole you don't need to be digging. Yeah. I mean it just it just makes life that much more difficult for you. So um, I would say that's that would that, that would be the concern. Break even on special teams. Yeah, I, great way to put it. I, the the way you said break even, I think is is the perfect example. You you bet on the abs five on five. That simple. We have a couple of questions about the fourth line. Um, Kyra just wants to know thoughts on how the fourth line is doing. Elena wants to know who ends up on the fourth line when the first round actually starts. Joe Stier Nieto. I got, and I figured we can kind of combine these all into 
Um, so I think the fourth line has been very solid, obviously not producing the way they were at times in the regular season, but that's to be expected in the playoffs. Uh, their line, I, to be honest with you, I would like to see a little bit more out of them on the whole, but you look at both games and outside of Tyson, Joe Scorsi, I believe in game one, their possession metrics have been fine. If, if not well, against Dallas, they were they were very good. But yeah, well, and Joe's against St. Louis, they were very bad. Um, they weren't good, but they weren't like decimated bad. Like Joe was right. worse on the team at forty percent. Like they were, and like, and I guess exhibitions. So you, if you want to, you could write that off. They were atrocious yeah, against I, Minnesota. I did not count that game at all. To be which honest with you. was whatever. Like however however important you want to measure that in the evaluation of this is up to you. Um, for me, they only have three games in the bubble. I think it's, I think it's of some value, but close to minimal. Um, I I think the fourth line has been okay. I'm honestly worried about Belmar. Um, he got blown up. He he got obliterated in the face off dot. They got him specifically to do that and to be a cog on the fourth line, kill penalties and blah, 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 blah. But he has not played well at even strength. I think he's gotten carried. Um, I think Calvert has been very, very good, and Nieto had a good game. I thought Jost had a great first period, and then it all went downhill from there. Not in a, oh, God, it was terrible from there. It just wasn't – I don't think it was particularly good or bad, but he was really good in the first period, and then it fell off, and that was problematic. And we talked about why that was after that game. I think – I just I just think it'll, it'll be Nieto. I've thought all along it would be Nieto. Um, yeah. Jost has the higher upside. Nieto has the more reliable profile. I think it will be Nieto too. Given that Calvert is Calvert, you know what you're getting out of him. You know, he's played very well. I would actually not mind seeing a fourth line of Jost Belmar Nieto against Vegas and say, look, whoever plays better earns the job. What do you mean? Jost Belmar Nieto? That's the line. Yeah. You With take Calvert out. Calvert sitting for the third, uh, the third round robin game because you know he's going to be an automatic in the lineup in the proper playoffs. Oh, okay, okay. So you're talking Saturday specifically. I'm, I'm saying Saturday. Give these guys a chance to go out and earn the job. Okay. When? Uh, okay, that's fine. I'm, I can live with that. Um, who do you think actually make 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 your call today? Elena wants to know who's your guy. Jost or Nieto? I think Nieto. We've seen this a million times with Bednar. He's going to lean on the veteran. He's going to lean on the guy he knows what he's getting out of. It's it's just reality. I think think so, too. I also think that they will probably flip-flop during the series, during the first-round series. Uh, Barring a great game from either one of them, I think if, if either guy has an okay game where you're like, oh, I didn't notice him, the other guy will go in. First loss, I would say for sure. We're going to see that switch, barring a great game from the guy in. So Okay. So we agree it's Nieto. We also agree Joe's still get in there eventually. Yep. All right. Um, Corey Smith asks, so far, so far, what are your surprises? Uh, good and bad of the round robin of qualifying round, any teams or players, not just limited to the ads. Uh, sorry, one more time. We our our live comments all of them just, just started, started to work. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, the question was, what are your surprises, good and bad, of the round robin or qualifying round? Anything? It, basically, what what has stood out good and bad to you of what we've seen so far? Not gotta doesn't love, have to be ads yeah, related. I was gonna say, gotta love the twelve seats, man, coming in here and making a statement. It has been it has been interesting because those are the two teams everybody agreed were here because they're huge markets and they wanted the eyeballs. Yep. And because regular season wise, they had no business being here. This is, I mean, this is quintessential hockey, right? This is why everyone talks about just get in. Hot, anything yeah. can happen. Yeah. And the the Chicago one, you go, okay, look, we knew Edmonton's defense was bad. We knew their goaltending was a serious question. But to watch Montreal take advantage of Pittsburgh and take the lead in that series blew me away, man. I think I think Pittsburgh, MPJ must have done something. Uh, um, well, yeah, sure. <laughs> Pitts, I, I think the thing that's been shocking about Pittsburgh is that it looks like it's the end. Yeah. They They've been riding. It's been like, hey, we're going to ride Crosby and Malkin. They're going to be our guys. They got, you know, guys like Gensel and Sheary and Rust and all these guys have been sort of cycling in and out. Hornquist have been kind of coming in to help them over the years. And now it just looks like it looks like the, they finally just reached the, the end, end of the of road, the yeah. They Where don't it's have like, that next man up finally. Yeah. I mean, they got they got swept last year by the Islanders and they weren't that competitive. And it was like, okay, well, you know, they they add Jason Zucker, right? Uh to to the they okay, hey, we got rid of Phil Kessel, he was a problem. Galchenyuk was a disaster, but now we got Jason Zucker, who's a good player, he's a proven player, fits with us, can play with skill, could do everything we need to do. Nothing's working. They can't. And at, at this point, like if they if they go out in this round, I don't know how Jim Rutherford does not make a, a big move. Was Carey Price one of the worst matchups they could have gotten? Yeah, sure. Like, look, Carey Price was always it was always like, look, do you believe in Carey Price or not? Because if you do, this can be a series. But they, regardless of Carey Price, they had a three-two lead in the third period. A team, a team of Pittsburgh's caliber and of their expectations, they they should be they should be able to put their foot down. Montreal's just not that good. They should be able to just be like, look, this is this is done. They've got their three two lead. They should be able to keep it. Please no to this yeah. comment. <laughs> the the NHL the NHL is is. Seems to have an agreement with Pittsburgh that they get a they get an insane superstar every every generation. So it would seem, and uh, Lemieux and Crosby is enough. We can uh, we can reward other teams now. It's not even like just those guys, but they also got Yager and Malkin at the same time to go with them. Yeah, the the extra pieces they had alongside Crosby, Flurry just thrown in there as well. Why not? They also had a Jordan Stahl, who might have might have been a, a top flight center in the NHL had he, he not spent his first five years yeah. playing third line center job. Like you don't you don't know what Jordan Stahl's career looked like if he goes somewhere else and isn't buried behind those two guys playing a defense role. Boy, but anyway, anyway, like they've <laughs> yeah, they Pittsburgh is. If they go out in this and they win laugh, it's going to be very frustrating. But 
that'll be something that we do next week because we are planning to do a mock draft show after the order gets revealed. The official order, yeah. Yeah, and we'll have our first like actual attempt at this. We'll, we'll have our mad rant about whoever gets laughed. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, right. Either way, that's a good place to take our second period break. If you didn't check it out, I was on the golf course today, part of the Big Drive Energy. Unfortunately, it came up a little bit short as D-Line Co. took me down on the golf course. Couldn't quite get the job done, but you know what? I'll stick to my WGT Golf Online, where I have a couple of solid finishes in the top five there. You can head on over to dnvrgolf.com to download and be sure to search for dnvr3 to join our clubhouse we have tournaments every single weekend and you can win yourself some awesome stuff by finishing at the top of the list i gotta tell you it's not easy you make one mistake in these things and you are not winning it's it's that difficult so it is unforgiving as is as is life so Sometimes that's the way it goes, man. But again, dnvrgolf.com. You play true to life courses with over 20 million people around the world. Get in while you still can. DNVR3 is filling up quick. So if you want to be one of the OGs before we have to start DNVR4, jump on it. That's right. All right. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast answering listener questions. AJ, what you got for me? Uh, Martin Latane, one of our one of our OGs, says who is one player on the Avs that they might not be able to protect in the expansion draft that you would give up a pick to Seattle not to take? That is a good question. What is the pick? I mean, my answer is nobody. I think, I think I'm with, okay. In a world, in a world, yeah, in a world where the avalanche wins Stanley cups, that's right. And they've acquired Taylor Hall on a three-year contract. Oh, so if but but really, if they get Taylor Hall, in a hurry. if they get Taylor Hall and they round out their top six, you're obviously protecting the big three. You're protecting Taylor Hall. You protect Kadri. You protect Burakovsky. Let's say you protect Nachushkin as seven. Whatever. Okay. Whoever's the most valuable of Donskoy, Comfer, and Jost. Do you give up like a fourth to say take the second on that list? No. No, even then? No. I I I find it hard to argue with you given that the Avs have Martin Kaut coming, Shane Bowers coming. That's the thing. They when we talk about them adding a guy like Taylor Hall or when we're going to talk about keeping Nemesnikov here in a minute. Um, that's the thing. There's Shane Bowers or Martin Cowder ready to go. Yep. Those are NHL players that, like we've talked about with Timmons, they're not in the NHL, not because they're not NHL caliber players, but because they're on a Stanley Cup. They're in a Stanley Cup contending team that just has very, very few weaknesses right now. Fair. No obvious holes. Plenty of teams that would play those guys on their fourth line on their third pairing. It's just yeah, not maybe even higher. I yeah. mean, right, right. It's yeah, the it's just a conversation. And and when we talk about uh, protecting from Seattle and giving up a pick, nobody. Every single position that they would have a guy that you would lose, uh, they either they they either have a prospect on the way, or when it comes to goaltender, you're talking about. Look, whichever one that you protect, 
is because that guy did enough to separate next season. So that in your eyes is your number one goaltender. And then you have to go out and yes, that's a, that's, you have to fill that role. Maybe that's Adam Warner. Maybe that's a free agent. Maybe in four years, it's used to Sanon and we don't know, but you, you and 20 other teams are on the carousel of backup goaltenders. This is exactly a big thing. Like, right. It just isn't. It's just, I mean, look at, look, they went and they got John Bernier. That worked just fine. Then they, they, they turned the reins over. Okay. Now they've got Gruby and Varley. Okay. That was fine. Then they went out and they, they rolled the dice with Frankie. That worked out fine. Whatever they decide to do with that position over the last several years has turned out. Okay. And even- I'm, I'm fine with just trusting them to say, look, we're not in a hurry to lose Gruby or Frankie. We're not looking forward to that, especially Frankie on that contract he's on. We we there's value here, and we appreciate that. But at the same time, like you just, I it, I I would say you can you can you can ha- you can handle that loss. Even the goaltender position, and sure, maybe it's a year or two down the line after the expansion draft. But you have a used to Sandinen sitting in the wings, right? Well, and like even in between them, the guy that we all we don't talk about is Adam Warner. Who had a good year in the AHL? An NHL win to his name, right? And and getting blown out as well. Yeah, so, well, you know, <laughs> you know, it was a hey, this guy could be a, a legit backup for you, and then it was like he's not there yet. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. But in 2021, who knows? Right there, there's still a whole season between then of of things to happen. Uh, that that still have to be decided. So for me, they're fine. They're in the rare position of they've got guys at all three levels that they could lose, and they're prepared to replace any of them. Um, staying on the goaltenders, Caleb asks, who's the number one goalie and why is it Frankie? Okay, well, it's not Frankie. It's Groob. So let's start there. Okay. <laughs> um. The reality is it's it's always been from day one of this season, and it has never changed. It's been Groob's position to lose. I'm mm-hmm. not saying Groob went out and grabbed it by the horns, but Frankie just has not done enough to take it away from him. That's the thing. Frankie has done a, a great job of answering every challenge. Yep. But he hasn't overtaken it. Exactly. It's been 1A, 1B all season yeah. long. And it's been close at times, but it never quite pushed the part where it was like, okay, Frankie's the 1A now. Right. Because when you talk, you know, everybody likes to talk about, oh, Frankie had such a strong finish to the season. You know, if you look at it, it, he had uh, three of his last five starts. He had under a 900 save percentage. Yep. And, and like, it, it... then he had, you know, two of the five were over 900, well over 900. And then like the eight games before that. So if you extend it out, he had a great finish. But at the very, very end, he had kind of come back to earth a little bit. It, and we're all remembering the back-to-back three stars of the week and the, you know, the the accolades and that crazy run. He gave up six goals in eight games or whatever it was. Like we remember that, but he did come back to earth after that. It it just to me that screams typical backup where they get on a hot streak and it's not really representative of what you're going to get out of them over a more significant sample size and and i i won't even go that far but i'll say grubauer also finished on a crazy hot streak he just got hurt yeah 
was, and now that they're both back, they both have been great in the bubble. And so it's like, at this point, I mean, Grubauer is still the the, the number one, but it's you if, have no pro, you have no problem playing Pavel Francis. If one of them has a bad game, you just put the other guy in and you go for yeah. it, like very easy. Pretty much, man. And then if that guy if that guy plays well, he keeps playing. Great. It's that simple. It really is that simple. Like, Top to bottom. Grubauer, Grubauer, if Grubauer does not play well against Vegas, and I don't know that he's starting, we don't know that yet, but. If Grubauer does not play well against Vegas, France Franco starts in game one of the first round. It's that easy. Yep. I agree, King David. Bed said it best after the Dallas game. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. It's one that you a lot of teams in the league wish they had that problem. So I I still think it's it's Grub, but no complaints, no matter who starts. Uh DB Hammer. Asks, with how Nemestikov seems to be gelling with the team, would you sign him at the expense of another player on the team? And what player? Sure. I'd sign him if they could make the money work, but I just don't think they can. The uh, The question is really... The player the player that you're signing Nemestikov at the expense of, I think, is probably Martin Kaut. Yeah. I, I think that's the reality. And if Nemesikov wants to come back on a contract that is reasonable and makes sense for the avalanche, I think I do it. If, if he, if he would take a three year deal at three and a half million, would you bring Nemesikov back? Yeah. I think three and a half million is exactly that sweet spot. Okay. I was, cause the, my, my up question is where is your line? Cause if it was three, seven, five, are you really going to let him walk over 250 K? I mean, I think, I, I think I'd probably still do it, but 4 million starts to feel bad, right? Like yeah. you're talking about a third line, Don Scoy at 3.9 Confer at 3.7, 3.5. And then Nemesnikov at four, you're paying your third line. Sure. Nemesnikov can yeah. move up, but that's $12 million. It's like 11 and a half, whatever. Yeah. It's somewhere in there. It, $11 million on your third line. And then you're still going to have pieces on your fourth line that you're paying that upwards of six, 7 million. It, you, that is not how you build a hockey team financially responsibly. It's just not. And, and like, at, at what point do you say, okay, Martin Kaut, like come take this right. job. The, you have, you have Martin Kaut, Shane Bowers and Logan O'Connor all there on cheap contracts just waiting here. The, I think the reality of the situation is the abs made their bed when they gave Don's going comp for four year deals. And it's hard to get out of yeah. that bed. It's just difficult to get out of that bed without some kind of move being involved. That would be, that's, that's where I feel. If you bring Nemestikov back, the player it has to be at the expense of is Don's you have to move him either Don Square Confer, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and those two guys are not the same. No, very different looks. One right. of them is 28 years old and one of them is not. So for me, that's that's an easy conversation where it's you move Don Scoy for what you got for Soderberg. And that's that's the the other side of that conversation is is it easier to move JT Confer because someone sees a younger player entering their prime type of thing? The the, what you don't want to do is move out Donskoy for for Nemesnikov and then lose Comfer to Seattle. Right. Then you're, that would you're that would suck. left and right on that one. Like yeah. because then you've replaced one with with 
Nemesnikov and that's great. And then you protect him, but then you lose, you know, you lose Comfer and it's just like, I guess, I guess then your third line could be Nemesnikov, Bowers and Cout. It's taken two steps backward to take a step forward. Step forward at that yeah, point. it's, but that's two different off seasons also. So could be, could be different things. Anyway, um, I'll move on. I'll move on to the next question just because that's, we could do. I think we're headed for an off-season show where we do. Where all we do is talk about Nemesnikov. Every little bit of him down, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, because it's that's going to be uh, a conversation um, that we end up sad at the end of. I predict. <laughs> yeah, I've got two questions left. Uh, I actually, there are more questions that I would have liked to ask you guys. Really brought a lot of uh, a lot of interesting ones. We'll log but, them for next time. Yeah, but we've um, we're at forty minutes already, so. Um, to second to last question from, from Dan, he says, do the abs replace an assistant coach next season? Um, I guess you could maybe say it depends on how these playoffs go, but I would say no. I, I mean, would say given the pandemic, hi guy. Uh, I would say given the pandemic that they don't, the, the, the coach carousel will be very, very limited this year. The offseason is like a month. Especially in smaller roles like that, where you're not talking about enticing someone with a head coach job or anything like that. Yeah. You're you're shifting assistant coaches around. Those guys need to get in. They need to come in. They need to get with the, the front office. They need to learn how things work here. They need to bring their ideas. They need to gel. They need to talk with players. They need to have all these conversations. These things take time. I don't think that after this, I don't think that after this, off season, um, there's going to be enough time to really make that happen. I agree. And look, people can complain about the power play all their all they want. Nothing on this Avalanche team is so egregious that it requires the immediate firing of anyone. Yeah, it's it was league average. Yep, it's just it was it was within like a percentage point of being like top twelve. Yeah, it's. I believe it can be better. I believe it should be better, but totally agree. It's not high on the list of priorities right now with what the right. off season that's going to come. Yeah. Which last question of the day, just because somebody almost always asks us this and I want to drive this home, uh, at least where I stand on this. Vince, Vincent asks, if you have to pick between Taylor Hall and Alex Petrangelo as Joe Sackick, which one do you sign? Taylor. Hall. So we agree on this. The Avs win a championship with Taylor Hall. Period. End of story. They will win a Stanley Cup if they go out and get Taylor Hall this offseason. I don't care if it's for one year. I don't care if it's for seven years. They will win a Stanley Cup with that player on this team. I truly believe that. I think it's a great (laughs) place to stop. All right, we will get I, there, out of here. Nowhere, nowhere for me to go, Ted, because <laughs> I don't, I don't disagree. That's so the kind of guy you, you might get questionable for. Oh, look at look at this cool guy, Brendan, back here. Nuggets within two, baby. You guys talking hockey? We're trying. We're we're, I don't, we're trying something like you hockey. Said, you said, look at this cool guy, and I'm still looking. Ooh, ooh, AJ with the burns. All right. Well. I think it's safe to say Taylor Hall might be our Strava Craft Coffee performer of the day, given that he would win the Avs a Cup, and he about to take down Nashville with Arizona. So Strava Craft Coffee 
is the CBD-infused coffee that has really changed lives. You can get it in any form you like, whether it be K-Cups, whole bean, or ground. You name it. They have you covered. And when you sign up for their subscription service, you can get 20% off every single time you buy at StravaCraftCoffee.com. The CBD is non-psychoactive and has been known to help many different aches and pains, as well as even things like anxiety. So give it a shot today if you haven't tried. That's going to do it for this episode of the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. I'd like to thank everybody for listening live. Sorry about the comments. I know that was a little bit weird as Adam gets out of here as well. The Nuggets crew's getting hyped. A big fourth quarter coming up. Be sure to go watch that as soon as this podcast ends. Thank you, everybody, for listening. AJ don't care. AJ don't care. He wants a cup. That's all he cares about. AJ not believing that they're going to come back on Portland. They're only down two, baby. It's right there. It's right mm. there. But that's a podcast for another time. You can tune into their winner's lounge. I'm calling it. I'm calling the winner's lounge for the Nuggets. Have a good rest of your evening. We will talk to you all with Free Skate Friday tomorrow. <laughs>